Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, everyone. Good morning. How is everyone here today? Beautiful, beautiful morning in OHIO. Hey, good morning to our live streamers. Hope, hope you're doing well. Uh, I know we have a lot of visitors today, uh, um, so welcome to all our visitors. Hope you feel at home. Uh, last weekend, Andrew kicked off a new series entitled Empowered, and it's a series where we're going to be focusing in on the third person of the Trinity, uh, the Holy Spirit. Here at the Vineyard, we believe that God is one God and that he's revealed himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God uh, the Holy Spirit. This series is going to take us all the way to Pentecost weekend, which is the last weekend in May. And Pentecost weekend, Pentecost is a, a story from the Bible, uh, Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit arrives on earth in a uh, really a spectacular way. He falls on a gathered group of Christians, the, the first church, and he really, he over, uh, he falls on them, fills them to overflowing uh, with his presence and his power. Uh, in this series, we're going to be learning about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, uh, how he fills and empowers us, how he comes along and partners with us. And this is really important, enabling us to live this life in a way that represents Jesus to the world really well. Uh, in my experience, both uh, personally and as a pastor, when you talk about God and trying to understand God, it really is the Holy Spirit that we struggle with uh, the most. In our culture, we have a level of understanding and experience around the concept of Father. It may not be uh, a really good uh, understanding or experience, but we understand the concept. We have a landing pad, if you will, in our minds for Father. And it's the same with Jesus as the Son or Jesus as our brother. It may not be a, you know, a, a positive uh, experience in those with, those with sons, brothers, etc. But but we still have an understanding of that concept. But when you talk about the Holy Spirit, or if you were here last weekend when Andrew talked, you know, uh, sometimes referred to as the Holy Ghost... Okay, that's a stretch for us to, to get our little brains around that, especially as Westerners. As Westerners, we have a worldview that doesn't leave a lot of room for the supernatural. It doesn't leave a lot of room for the unseen spiritual realm. So in our culture, if we, if we can't see it, we really struggle to believe uh, that, it's, that it's true. <clears throat> Andrew shared a, a quote last weekend. I think it's really helpful. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, who is the Holy Spirit? He is not a ghost, an impersonal force, or an elusive power out there. He is neither a doctrine to be studied, nor a distant deity to be feared. He is a person to be known and loved. He is God himself. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity. And I love this. He's God's gift of himself to each of us. He makes the Christian life indescribably beautiful and a fun-filled delight. And last weekend, <clears throat> Andrew taught that amongst um, other things, the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is he's the, he's the revealer. He reveals himself to us and he, he reveals Jesus to us, helping us come to a place of putting our trust in Jesus, believing in Jesus with, with all our lives. This weekend, 
as we continue this empowered series, uh, we're going to be adding a, a very cool twist this weekend. As this weekend is also a baptism weekend, we're going to be baptizing at least 15 people this weekend, which is uh, I think is wonderful. There we go. Mayhem. Uh, no, it's it's super cool. Uh, actually, baptism for me as a pastor, I would say, is one of my favorite things to do uh, as a pastor. But when we when we consider talking about the Holy Spirit as the revealer, we're, we're seeing the fruit of that this weekend. And what I mean is the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus to these 15 people. And he's brought them to a place of belief in him, of trust in him. They have lots of questions still, we all do, but they, they put their belief in him, their trust in him. And so their next step is, it's a step of obedience to get baptized. And really baptism, uh, a really simple definition is, it's basically a public declaration of an inward decision. In this case, to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so in the New Testament, we see a, a strong connection between baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the New Testament, the original Greek word that's used for baptism is the word baptizo. You'll see the definition. It's to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, or to overwhelm. <clears throat> now, I think this is very cool and very helpful in what I'm talking about today. In the New Testament, when you see the word baptism, whether it's referring to water baptism or baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's the same Greek word that's used. Okay, that tells us something. That tells us a lot about, about being baptized. And what I mean is it, it really points to the extent or the depth of which God wants to change us and fill us. You know, so water baptism is very symbolic of, you know, uh, going under the waters, dying to self, coming up out of the waters to now live a new life in, in Jesus. Or it's a, it's a picture of being washed, forgiven for your sins. And, and, but what's interesting about water baptism is people don't just dip their foot in. They're fully submerged in the waters of baptism. It's like God saying, no, I want all of you. I want to work in all of your life. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill all of us. He wants to baptize all of us, every part of our minds, our bodies, our, our hearts, our thoughts, our dreams, our feelings, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be fully immersed uh, in, in God. So this weekend, I'll talk a little bit about baptism in the Holy Spirit, a little bit about uh, water baptism, and then we're going we're gonna to baptize, baptize some people. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. So Lord, I thank you for a, a beautiful morning. I thank you for a brand new day that today, it's not just another Sunday. This is a brand new day. And I pray for everyone in the room. I pray for those joining us online. I, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come today and do what only you can do? Would you reveal yourself to us? We confess that you're hard to understand. You're hard to picture to just, just who you are and how you work. It's challenging for us. So would you come and help us today? We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. There, thank you. So I said earlier in the New Testament that there's this clear connection between water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. In the beginning of the first 
Uh, four books of the, of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, were introduced to uh, water baptism, uh, where this, this crazy-looking prophet guy comes out of, the, out of the wilderness. It says this in Luke 3. It says, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this guy, John, that we're talking about is John, uh, John the Baptist, a man who, uh, if you're familiar with his story, from way before his conception, it was prophesied that he would be a very special, had a very special call on his life. So John comes out of the woods dressed like an Old Testament prophet with Birkenstocks, velour slacks, and a California shirt. Uh, But he comes out and he has a very clear message. He's calling people to be baptized. He's inviting people to be immersed, submerged, washed in the Jordan River as a sign, as a sign of their repentance. They're turning away from the direction they're going to to live their lives now in a new direction. So a a sign of repentance and a sign of being cleansed of all their sins, of being forgiven of all their sins in the waters of baptism. Sins being any activity that went against the commands of God. That was John's message. And to the Jewish people, baptism was not a new, uh, was not a new thing, not a new concept. It had long been part of their Uh, their Jewish faith in regards to many Old Testament commands and laws around, you know, being clean or being unclean. And if they were unclean, besides presenting a sacrifice at the temple, they would often wash themselves in pools of water called mikvahs. So it was not a new concept. But John's message that he came with was, was more than just, hey, you're unclean, you need to get washed, you need to get clean. John's message had a very clear, a very prophetic edge. John came saying, hey, you need to repent. You need to get clean and you need to get ready. Why? Why? Because the promised one is coming. The Lord, the deliverer, the Messiah, Jesus is coming. It says this in Luke 3.15, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the one, be the Messiah. John answered them all, no, 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 no. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's referring to Jesus. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So let's talk a little bit about uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. So number one, okay, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is it? Well, I'm gonna give three quick points to answer that question. Uh, And basically, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? It is God's promise, God's plan, and God's present sorry, personal power, right? That's answering that question. So number one, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? It is God's promise to us. And long before John or Jesus uh, were on the, you know, were, were on the scene, God promised, God prophesied through the prophet Joel and said this, and afterwards I, I, God, will pour out my spirit on all people, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And understand that up till this point in the Bible, and when we get what Joel said there in the Old Testament, 
the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out the way that we see in Acts chapter 2. What we see in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit is poured out, but he's typically poured out on specific people for specific purposes. I think the common man or woman, I don't know if there was really any expectation of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was more, if you look at the stories in the Old Testament, it was more prophets, kings, you know, warriors. It was more for certain tasks that God had. But, in, but now through Joel, through the prophet Joel, God is, you know, he's pointing down the road uh, to Pentecost, to Acts chapter two, when the promised Holy Spirit is gonna fall on all his people, not just the chosen few. So again, quick, three quick points. First one, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? Is God's promise. It's also God's plan. So uh, Jesus had spent three plus years with his disciples, and now he's nearing the cross, his death, his resurrection, what we celebrated at, at Easter. And he says this to his followers in John 16. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. And they're like, no, I don't think so. Uh, unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I think this is really helpful and very cool. It's always been God's plan that, you know, Jesus would come to earth, baby Jesus, Merry Christmas. And he'd come to earth and he would do the work that he came to do. But then one day, the story is he ascends back up to heaven. But as he goes back up to heaven, the plan is, okay, now the Holy Spirit descends to earth. And the image I have in my mind, I grew up watching all-star wrestling, is Jesus is going to the corner, he smacks the, uh, the Holy Spirit's hand, says, tag, you're in, Holy Spirit. Uh, it's your turn now. And this is important. Now God's presence on earth is not limited just to wherever Jesus would be. Now, God's presence on earth can be actively everywhere through the Holy Spirit all at the same time. So it's God's promise, it's God's plan, and then finally, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? It is, it is God's personal power. And if you're at all familiar with the teachings of Jesus, uh, uh, they're pretty intimidating. And what I mean is, you know, Jesus has spent three plus years with his disciples, he's taught and modeled what perfect obedience to God looks like. Uh, he has taught and modeled to his followers what it looks like when a human being is fully filled and submitted to the Holy Spirit. And as he nears his departure, he says this to his followers in Acts chapter one. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And let me stop there. I underline that because I think uh, we forget that a lot. Or we, maybe we just never were taught that all that I'm talking about, that God himself, and this is a mystery to me, like, like that all, God himself wants to come and live inside your life as a human being. Like I think, like, shouldn't I feel it? <laughs> like shouldn't I just, just explode right now if God, almighty God is in me? I, it's a mystery to me. But, but what I want to point out there is that this is not something that after you've been a Christian for 10 years, have read the Bible four times, have learned four Hebrew words, then you level up. And now I'm gonna fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's not it at all. Like this just says so much about who God is. It is a gift that God has promised. It's a gift he's offered to all of us. And what do you do with a gift? You just, you receive it. 
you receive it and you, and you say thank you and then you, you, you use it. So do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when we look at, you know, what, or, uh, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit, we look at, you know, the, it's God's promise, God's plan, God's personal uh, power. I believe that this whole gift of the Holy Spirit is God's way of saying, hey, speaking to you, speaking to me, hey, I, uh, um, I understand that what I have invited you into, relationship with God, relationship with one another, the invitation to live a holy life, a life pleasing to God, uh, the invitation to partner with God for the rest of your time on planet earth in his rescue mission. You know, uh, uh, this is God's way of saying, hey, I understand that on your own, all of that is impossible for you. So my plan, my promise is that I am going to baptize you not just your mind, not just your heart. I am going to baptize you. I'm going to immerse you. I'm going to submerge you. I'm going to overwhelm you with the power and presence of God, the Holy Spirit, God's personal power uh, and presence in your life. And he is going to empower you, teach you, help you to do and be all that I've invited you into. So what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? God's promise, God's plan, and God's personal presence. Um, now, before we, we move to water baptism, I want to I answer one more question. So, numero dois, number two, when are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like, when does this, when does God, vroom, you know, when does this supernatural experience happen? So, I'm going to give a, I think a, like a $50 answer to a $50,000 question, but I think it's still very helpful. Um, if you were to poll, you know, a, a, a whole bunch of biblical scholars regarding this question of, okay, when is a person baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, you, would, you would get answers that, that most likely would fall into three categories. And here's what I mean. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. First, when we start a relationship with Jesus, conversion. When a human being says, hey, I don't understand it, but, but I want to give my life to you. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to come into my life. I want to, you know, I want to start a relationship with you. Uh, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit too, uh, or letter B, when we are baptized, water baptized, like what we're going to do today. Uh, or we are, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, not just once, but letter C, many times after our conversion and water baptism. So, in the vineyard, we would lean heavily towards A and C, but also leave room for, for B. So I know that's not a super helpful answer, but let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, refers to a work of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, a baptism uh, into the body of Christ, a baptism, a work of the Spirit uh, into the family of God, like a, a, a baptism of adoption. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. 
but we have all, think global church, we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So we believe there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit at conversion, where the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, fills your life and, 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 and connects you to the body uh, of Christ with Jesus as the head of his body. And let, me, and let me say this, in everything I'm talking about today and really everything we're talking about in this series, when I say that, uh, you may or may not feel that. Which again is weird to me because if I get struck by lightning, I think I'm gonna know it. But it's amazing with God is that, you know, if, if all I'm saying is true, that means right now God lives in me by his spirit. I... You know, I don't feel this. I don't feel it. But here's one of the challenges for us. We need to learn to stand on his word, not on our feelings. That's a, we all trip over that. We trip over what we feel. And if we, don't, if we don't see it, we don't believe it. If we don't feel it, we struggle to believe it. But the truth is, whether or not we feel it, it is still God's promise. It is still God's plan. It is still his personal power with us. And it's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit living in you and me. And one of his jobs is he reminds us over and over that we really have been adopted into God's family. Uh, we, as what's the old song? You may notice we say brother and sister around here. Remember that song? You don't remember that? <laughs> what are you going to sing when we get to heaven? We're going to sing that forever in every language. But all it's saying is, we're the, it talks about we're the family of God. We are a very dysfunctional family, <laughs> but we are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to be connected, like to gather on the weekend. It's good for us. It's good for you just to be here, to gather in a small group during the week. I believe because we are one family, one body, that we're the healthiest when we are connected to one another. And then the Bible also speaks not of just of that one baptism, but it speaks of other baptisms of the Holy Spirit after our conversion. I referred earlier to what Jesus said to his followers in Acts chapter one, uh, verse eight, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses basically wherever, wherever I send you. And one of the talks that we're gonna do in this series, this empowered series is gonna be on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in the vineyard, we... Uh, we look at the gifts of the Spirit more like, a, more like a kingdom toolbox than what I was taught, uh, you know, uh, what I was taught as a young man that really in this life, and I don't know if you were taught this, that you get one spiritual gift to use in this life and really you spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what that gift is and, and how to use it, right? So I remember as a teenager... I remember taking a spiritual gifts test. I was so excited. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out my one gift. And wouldn't you know it, my gift was martyrdom. <laughs> and I, even as a, even I'm like, how do you practice that gift, you know? Well, but, but I mean, and, and how do you know if you actually have it? Because one day if I'm tied to a stake and they're lighting the flames at my feet, it's like, no, 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 I don't have the gift. I was just, there was a pretty girl beside me and I was just showing off. I was saying, look, I'm a martyr. I'm like, so I don't think that's accurate at all. I think what makes more sense to me and what I believe the Bible supports is that as a follower of Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit, invited into God's 
work here on planet Earth, I believe that many times we need different gifts of the Spirit to do what uh, God has invited us into. Think about last weekend. Last weekend, Andrew told a story about a guy named Philip who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, And in the story, the Holy Spirit reveals to Philip what he's invited him into, right? Philip uh, meets this Ethiopian eunuch and, 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 you know, and the Holy Spirit not only invites him, shows him what he's doing, but he also uh, uh, supplies the spiritual gift, the kingdom tool necessary for the task. And in this case, I believe that Philip uh, was given a gift of wisdom. Philip explained the scriptures to this man so where, to, till he came to a place of saying, I believe, I believe in Jesus. And, and then he gets he gets. Baptized. So in the vineyard, sort of summing this up, we believe that a person is baptized, immersed in, fully filled with the Holy Spirit upon conversion. Uh, but we also believe is also baptized, immersed in, filled with, empowered by the Holy Spirit many times when necessary. After that initial filling, as we live out our lives on earth, uh, partnering with God in, in, in his rescue work on planet earth, A and C. But again, you know, we also make lots of room for B. And my prayer all weekend or all week has been, oh, Holy Spirit, would you meet these people in the water? And would they encounter you in a way that, this, that today would be a remember forever day in their lives because you met them in the waters of baptism. So I hope that's helpful. Now we're going to shift gears, talk a little bit about water baptism. And I said in my intro that uh, considering uh, the people that are getting baptized this weekend, that the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus to them. And they've come to a place of saying, hey, I do believe in you. And I do trust you with my life. And so their next step is a step of obedience. They're going to get baptized, meaning they're, you know, they're going to publicly declare today uh, to, to everyone in this room, everyone online, our, you know, going all around the world. Uh, they're going to publicly declare their inward decision of, I, I want to follow Jesus. And so let me say right now, if you're in the room <clears throat> and you're 10 years of age or older, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have never been baptized, would you consider getting baptized today? If you're sitting there right now and maybe your heart's beating a little harder or maybe there's a tug and it's like Jesus is coming close saying, hey, do you think it's time we go public with our relationship? Right? Is it time that we go public with your faith? I just want to encourage you to, I, I'm praying that God will make it so clear that you're, you think your heart's going to come flying out of your chest. Uh, we have sweats for you. You won't have to go home in wet clothes. We'll, we've got towels. You can get all dried off. But I want you to consider that. Um, and again, if you're uh, 10 years of age or if you're a minor, you need to get your parents' permission. I always have to remember that. Um, but, but I'll ask you that again a little later. So please be thinking be thinking about that. Water baptism in the, in the Christian faith is a very symbolic, historical sacrament uh, established by Jesus. One of, the, one of the last commands Jesus gave his followers was all about baptism. He said in Matthew 28, he said, therefore go, go and do what, Jesus? Go and make disciples of all nations. What do we do next? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then what? And then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's the encouragement. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Like that's like a multivitamin 
loaded two verses because basically that's the life of a Christian right there. It's all about, you know, walking with Jesus each day, sharing your faith, you know, pointing other people to Jesus, which is making disciples, inviting other people to follow Jesus. And then, then you invite, you know, the, the next step would be to get baptized. And then this is one of the things we love to do as a church. We gather around those people and we want to teach them now. We want to teach them everything that Jesus has taught us. And, we, and through the whole process, it's so encouraging and comforting to know that we're not alone and that God himself fills us and gives us all we need to do to do that. And, uh, and when we talk about water baptism, I said earlier that to a first century Jew, it was not a new it, water baptism was not a new uh, concept. Uh, typically in the first century, a Jewish person uh, would have a much deeper knowledge of the Old Testament than, than we do. Uh, they would have understood something about baptism and just what it symbolizes, something that we, I know I, certainly hadn't considered or that we probably miss. When you watch someone get baptized, <clears throat> you know, we'll you'll be able to see clearly there's a camera here. It'll show on the screens. But, but when you see them, it's a, baptism is a very simple thing. It's kind of strange. But, but it's, it's a very clear picture of a person passing through the waters of baptism. And what I mean is, you know, that person, we, 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 we submerge them in the water, but we don't leave them there because that's called murder. And we try not to do that, right? But you, so the person goes down or, or if necessary, we'll dump water over the person. But either way, the person is fully submerged. They pass through the waters of, of baptism. And a first century Jew would go, hey, that kind of reminds me of, of some stories in the, in the Old Testament when God, we see God rescuing his people from evil, delivering his people from evil. And many times that rescue is attached to water. This is really interesting. First, we see Noah. This is right near the beginning of the Bible. And in my Bible, it's like five pages in and already humanity has messed it up so badly. They are so corrupt, so rebellious uh, to God. It says this in Genesis 6. It says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God is not pleased with what he's seeing <clears throat> on the planet, uh, but he was pleased with, with Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was a, uh, he really, he, he, was, he lived a blameless life at a very corrupt time. He was very faithful to God. And so God says to Noah, hey, I want you to build a big, big boat, build an ark. And then I'm going to bring all these animals to, you know, to fill it up. And then you and your family go in. And, but this is, this is the symbolism of passing through the waters. Look at this. And what we see in the story of Noah is that Noah and his family are saved from God's judgment on humanity by passing through the waters of the flood. Okay, that's one. Number two, then we come to the story of Moses and the people of Israel, God's chosen people. They're slaves in Egypt, held captive there. In the story, uh, uh, Moses, as their leader, the, the people are released by Pharaoh from Egypt. And as Pharaoh watches his workforce leave, he goes, no, I don't think this is a good idea. And so he, he goes after them. He sends his army after them. And they come riding. And the, and the people of Israel turn around. And they see the army coming. And they start freaking out. And Exodus 14, it says this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And it's like, well, because there's an army coming. 
Tell the Israelites to move on. And to that, I think Moses would be, well, actually, we can't because there's a big body of waters. The Red Sea is right in front of us. God says to him, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And they do. Israelites go through the sea on dry ground, but so do the, here comes Pharaoh's army. They come pursuing them through the, you know, through that sea. But as the last Israelite steps onto the shore, God undivides and, you know, brings the water back and basically destroys, wipes out their enemy. But again, here's that symbolism. God delivers his people from slavery, from death, by passing through the waters of the Red Sea. And then one more, Joshua is now leading the people of Israel. Uh, They've been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, but now God is going to bring them into the land he's prepared for them. He's going to bring them into the promised land. And again, this movement from being lost in the wilderness to being found in the promised land, uh, it's marked by passing through waters. Joshua 3.14 says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan while the water flowing down uh, to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And again, there's this image, and it really, they all point to the Christian life, saved from the judgment of God, saved from the power of and, and the control of our enemy. And now we see God moving his people from being lost in the wilderness to being found in the promised land and how they pass through the waters of the Jordan River. Then we come to the New Testament where we see John the Baptist and he is inviting people to be baptized, to pass through the waters. Jesus is baptized. And, and, and since that time, millions and millions and millions of people have followed Jesus, have followed his example to get baptized. In 1986, I, I got baptized. Uh, when did you get baptized? Uh, now this weekend, we get to witness and celebrate at least 15 more people getting baptized and passing through those waters. So why don't we have the worship team come on back? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.